The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Hello everybody, welcome to this very special one-off podcast of On The Rag where we got together in Hamilton to have a general yarn about being creative and writing and going cross-eyed when you read bad comments. This was recorded live at the 2017 Spark Festival. Uh, Thank you very much Wintech for having us, thank you Hamilton for your delicious ice creams and I hope you enjoy. Please join me in welcoming Michelle Court and Leonie Hayden and Alex Casey on the rack. Yay! Oh, that, that was very great. nice. Thank you everybody for coming. We weren't sure there was like two people for quite a while. You guys are cool. But like, <laughs> yeah, we would have done it just sure. for you anyway. Like you guys could have sat here, it would have just been cool. But um, yeah, thank you all for coming out. Just before we get started, how many of you have listened to the podcast before? Okay. okay. 20. That's heaps. Yeah, yeah. that's heaps. Yeah. Good. Small in the numbers. It's weird. <laughs> um, so I guess we should still introduce ourselves and what we do. Mm-hmm. So this kind of on the rag started. I kind of had a column that I did for maybe two weeks. <laughs> it was like burn fast, die young, and it was about um, looking at the past week in news stories and just kind of screenshotting it and doing a breakdown and realizing that everything was like a little bit fucked when you put it all together, <laughs> like. There was one week there was about 20 stories that were about just women eating stock image salads, you know, and it was just kind of like, what you're eating is making you fat, what you're eating is making you skinny, it's like, blah, you're going to die, and bikini bodies, and all this kind of stuff. So I kind of broke it down, but already after two weeks, I felt like I was parroting the same kind of stuff, and I was like, actually, I feel like this could work better if we just talked about it. And I was like, hmm, because I think there's a thing that... Um, a lot of women do where we sit in little circles, right? And we mm. just have these kinds of fireside chats, drunken chats, normal chats. But I was like, why don't we record one of those and see what happens? So that was like however many moons ago. Here's the thing I have to ask you how did you find me? Because no. I don't remember how we got together. No, neither do I. It's like we've just always <laughs> really? been doing this. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. I'm I just materialised in the studio one day. You summoned yeah. me. Like, I I'm don't here. know if there was a phone call from you or Duncan or an email or a, how did we end up in the same room together? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but I had like a, I had a vision board and I was like, Michelle Acourt. If there was ever you anyone, did summon her. I'm did like, you say oh, my name three times? Witchcraft. <laughs> because I was like, you know, aim for the stars. If there was one person I'd want to like be like, what's going on? Is this weird? Help me through this. I was like, Michelle. 
seems like she knows. And um, here we are. And yeah. Then, uh, Leonie was in the office, weren't you? You were knocking around at the time. Yeah. <laughs> you had a former co-pod who moved away. I brought, yeah, I brought my friend Zoe in because I, I hadn't really done podcasts before and I didn't really know what to do. And also I thought if I have someone who's like very tethered to that world of having those little secret circles where you talk about stuff, then it'll just, just feel... a good idea. Yeah. Organic yeah. and natural. Um, and then it kind of it, it grew and Zoe left and Leonie came in and here we are now. Yeah. yeah. I was only meant to do the first episode... You were going to do so was Michelle like probably cameos yeah. or whatever, like that last season of Nevermind the Buzzcocks, and then I guess it was just easier for me to stay in because I worked in the same building. Mm. And I had no idea it was a monthly thing. I just was coming in to do a, to do one, and then we and then and then you got in touch and said, should we do another oh, one? So organic. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. So what else do we do? Should we introduce ourselves properly? Yes. We're not very oh. professional. <laughs> so, I don't know if that's clear mind. This is never going to be any different from an actual <laughs> recorded podcast. Blah, 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 blah. Too many ums and ahs. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so I work at the spin-off. I'm the television editor currently, and I do this, and I do another podcast called The Real Pod, where we mostly just talk about shitty New Zealand like reality TV. Um, and yeah, I've been us nearly three years old, and that's kind of where I am. What do you guys do? <laughs> well, Kuli um, Hayden Tokunua, Ngati Fato Kaipara Te Iwi, no Kaipara Aho. I also now work at the spin off. Until very recently, I was editing um, Mana Magazine, which is a, a Māori culture and lifestyle magazine. We've gone the way of all magazines, and now no longer exists. Um, but I was working in the same building with these guys and have known them and Duncan who's the spin-off um, uh, publisher and editor a long, long time. So I just sort of weaseled my way in there because <laughs> I needed a job and that's what you do. You go to your mates and go, because a job. <laughs> um, so we're launching very soon on the spin-off um, a, a new section of the site which is just um, Māori culture. Um, stuff which I'm very excited about. So yeah. that's yeah, that's my new job. That's great. Mm. And doing this. So I'm a, a stand-up comedian, but before I did, started doing that, 24 years ago, I trained as a journalist. That was my first, um, and then I went to university. And uh, after that and got a BA because that's useful <laughs> and um, freelance writing and a weekly columnist for a few years and I, maybe I did some freelancing for the spin-off maybe that's I don't know I don't know I'm really still curious now about how we ended up in the same room but I'm really clearly meant a lot to both of us that we did. can't remember anything about well, that well, well, it's <laughs> probably just so meant to happen that you don't remember how it happened but anyway yeah, that's true. I've had relationships like that. But <laughs> stop it. Um, yeah, you can't even remember the name of the first guy you married. <laughs> no idea. No idea. We did a live podcast about weddings and Michelle just kept calling him what's his name. I can't remember. Oh, I honestly can't, can't remember. remember his name. It's <laughs> such a long time ago. I'm really pleased I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So we were talking about like in the car, where we did a lot of the pre-production, um, <laughs> about how Michelle sent an email. We realised there is pretty much in mainstream New Zealand media, no place where there are multiple women's voices at one time, like a radio show, for yeah. example. I think I got to like, maybe The Hits, I think has their morning show with Sam Wallace and Tony Street and someone else I've forgotten the name of. They have two women, but there is no um, 
platform where it is exclusively women. To my knowledge, I'm yeah. going to be proven wrong on that. Mm. I don't know if any of you can think of them, but it's, it hit me because we did a little survey for people who listen to On The Rag about why they listen to it and where they, what they're doing when they listen to it. Gardening and getting stoned. And <laughs> uh, she's my favourite. And uh, it, it, like, I think we still get surprised that people get excited about the podcast, but mm. one of the things that hit me was it's the only time you get to hear just women talking. Mm. I mean, I can't think of any other place, no. not on television, not on radio. <laughs> the media formula for just forever has just been a group of dudes and one lady for balance. Yep. Mm. Yep. Eight dudes and a lady for balance. <laughs> to keep it balanced. <laughs> but don't get too comfy, love. Don't get too comfy. <laughs> All of the jokes will be at your expense. And you are interchangeable. Exactly. Don't have a baby. Because um, <laughs> I, I, I think that the media perspective is that the, the default position for a human as a man, mm. and and then there are women who are basically men with a design fault. <laughs> but you can only have one at a time. We used to make yeah. jokes in the early days of comedy because no one would ever program two women in a show. Like you could have six dudes with goatees and one lady, <laughs> possibly one magician. You can have two magicians, <laughs> can't have two ladies. So we used to call ourselves the carbohydrates of comedy because you don't have potatoes and rice on the same plate. So that's what we were. So, but yeah, but I think, but yeah, so we just don't get to hear women talking and I think when women talk it's slightly different from when men and women talk. Mm. Yeah. I think so, like even having one, I've been watching a lot of the AM show and um, having one woman there is great. She can only ever get one word out, you know? It is like, maybe it's just Duncan Garner and Mark Richardson, <laughs> but it's just like the kind of the jumping over and around and yeah, I'm just watching being like, Amanda, I know you don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I just think, how different would that dynamic be if there was a woman hosting that show? Or, yep. or something else. Or just, we're all on equal footing, but we're mm. not quite there yet. Which is mm. why we are aggressively all women. When there's a, <laughs> now. a female guest so. on, like on AM, when they had Jacinda on, Amanda was nodding her head so hard it was going to fall off. Yeah. Every yeah. time Jacinda spoke. Because she's so lonely and then for late Jacinda company. did her... You yeah. nice little, little golf clap. Amanda did this little golf clap. It was really cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you don't notice it as well. Like, part of the other thing I realised when I was thinking about when I was like, oh, maybe on the rag is a podcast. Like, you have this moment. You're like, it's it's a podcast. That's what it is. I was in the car. My boyfriend and I were doing like a road trip around the South Island, and we were just listening to podcasts. And I realised I hadn't heard another woman's voice for like two days, and I was like. <laughs> Wait, you know, you oh, have these realizations. Yeah. It's the same if you go into it and you sit in a movie, try and hold your breath until a woman speaks. Oh. You'll be dead. You'll be dead. <laughs> You'll be dead. Unless you're like going to see like bridesmaids or something like that. Yeah. But um, it's only when you become aware of these things all the time, every day, that you suddenly mm. get like, yeah, an aggressive need to make that yourself. So that's what we're doing. Yeah. We're kind of just chatting. Yeah. Casually. It's so controversial. It's so controversial. <laughs> we're pretty <laughs> radical, really. Ladies on a couch. <laughs> um, so we're going to kind of talk about, we're all creatives, in a way. <laughs> we're talking about what we did before we got into these jobs, what we wish we knew way back when, if there's stuff we do differently, mm. and how mm. we kind of do things now as women in mm. our respective 
creative fields. Um, another thing we realised in the car was that we've never actually really talked to each other about the fact that we are all writers. <laughs> no, Ever. Yeah. we just don't talk about it. We're like, it's there's so, so much weird. other stuff going on. Yeah, but, um, it's a bit like coal miners going to the pub. <laughs> they don't talk about mining. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. They're similar as well. Experiences. Yeah, it is really similar. <laughs> Oh, it's all, okay. Um, shall I kick off with? Uh, th- I was looking back to thinking back to before I had a job and mm-hmm. what I wish I'd been told. Well, even it wasn't even job related anyway. Um, uh, always make. Here's my big rule for surviving: is always make two to-do lists, and one is the list of things that you actually have to do, like all the things. Is that a tap dancer? Yeah. <laughs> How exciting! Somebody's oh, trying to get in. Come round the other side! Oh god, someone got stabbed back there. Alright, go rescue them. Yeah. I'm really relaxed. It's good, it's fine, it's fine. Okay. Hashtag love the trod. Yeah, yeah. Great to be here. (laughs) Love the doors. So, two to do lists that's just so my head doesn't explode. One is the list of things that actually has to be done, and then I do another to do list of the things that I have to do today so that it's not quite so overwhelming. I always think if you can make a list out of something, you can manage it. What about the things you've already done? Oh, then you take them, I I scrub them out, I make, you know, gold star, a little stamp of an elephant, you know, make myself (laughs) really, really happy. That's really good advice. I need lists, but they're also overwhelming, I ignore them. But that's why you make the second list, the smaller (laughs) list. And if if the, I don't know what's happening. Bye. If the list looks too big, then make another list that's smaller. So, like, if your t- your list of things that you have to do today is too big, make one of just what you have to do this morning. <laughs> <laughs> just keep making lists until you list can. Until it on them. Yeah, I did it. Everything on your list is write more lists. <laughs> it's just like never ends. There's a good app for that, which I forgot the name of, but I have a couple of friends who use this kind of list apps, and you just like swipe in. Get rid of, rid of everything until it's gone. But I don't like getting rid of them. I like seeing the piece of paper with the scroll comes. through. Mm, true. Mm. I always write satisfied. half a list with like, and half the stuff I've already done. <laughs> you know, you just, just like, cheating. That's boost good. It up, boost it up. Yeah. So this is your this is your modus operandi. Yeah, list making. Life. List making. So long as the yeah, if the list is small enough that it looks like it's doable. Yeah. I like that. It's good life advice. How about you, Leone? What do you wish you knew? So it's going to sound really bad because we're at an event hosted by an educational institution. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) I wish someone had told me that school didn't matter as much as everyone thinks it does. And I don't mean tertiary education, I mean sort of when you're at school Mm. and it feels like all the pressures of the world are on you and you're only like 16 and if you fail at this you've just already failed at life you've ruined it you've ruined it before it even began which is how i absolutely felt about failing at school and getting kicked out of school at the beginning of my sixth form year did you get now. kicked out of school yeah you're so cold well, but not even for like a cool reason i wish i could go back and like you know smoke in the principal's office or something it was literally just because i was at a bougie school and i didn't do enough work and they were like really? you're out of zone and we expect more from out of zone girls you can go <gasps> And so I just, I I spent the next eight years working in hospo, but like Mm. I didn't realise, and so I was, you know, living and paying rent on my own at like 16, just thinking, well, that's that. 
-hmm. I fucked up school, I'm not able to get into university now. And that was always the plan. Like you finish school and you go to university and without that, it was just like, oh well, there's no, we're done with you, we'll move on to the other kids that have actual potential. And so I probably, I could have if someone had told me then and there, do you know what, if you still want to write, just write. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I probably would have because I didn't, <laughs> I wasn't jaded enough yet <laughs> as far as my writing goes to go, ooh, I hate it. I was still really like into poetry and all of that sort of stuff. And yeah. if I'd known you could just keep doing it without a, t without a school telling you you were doing it right, I probably, yeah. would, probably would have kept going. And so instead I didn't learn that lesson until my very late 20s, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I just, yeah, I wish I could reclaim back some of that time where I could have being creative, just knowing that you're allowed to do it without school, you know? Yeah, yeah. you just have to start. You like, just have to start. There was something I wish I had listened to my mum, like all the way through school, all the way through university, she was like, keep a journal. Write down everything that happens to you because you will never be this person again and yeah. you never have this like, <laughs> your dreams haven't been crushed yet. Yeah. You still like think you're gonna be like the president. You know, all these outlandish things. Yeah. And um, I didn't, I kept one, I think when I was about 13, especially if you're, you think you're on a path where you're going to be a writer. Yeah. Like, don't wait for that to start. Just yeah. yeah. I kept a journal. I've just read. I got it, but I've never read it. I kept a journal my first year away from home when I was at Tech, studying the, doing the journalism diploma, mm. and it's in a box at my house, and I've never read it because it's too. I mean, I, I, the last time I shifted house was. 20 something years ago and it still felt like too soon to read my <laughs> 18 year old ramblings because it would be so uncomfortable. creepy, cringy, skin crawly stuff but it's there, I should, I'm probably old enough now to deal with it. Sorry, shut up. It's always but like, it's a good yeah. piece of advice, a journal is a great yeah. idea. Yeah. yeah and I was like shut up mum, I'm like a teenager, <laughs> whatever teenagers do and I just resisted it and I wish I hadn't but um, it's almost like when Facebook now when you get those like old statuses you've done like five years ago and you're like, who is that? <laughs> that was not me, like someone hacked it. So it's kind of good, I guess we have, you know, now Facebook's yeah. doing the journaling for us. Mostly the worst parts of us that you never want to see again, but <laughs> that's always good. Which makes me think of another thing that I put on my list of things that I wish I could tell my, that girl back then, 18, whatever, 17, whatever she was. Mm -hmm. You're really hot. <laughs> when you're young, like, so you didn't think you were, I thought I was a pog, but somebody just on Facebook just yesterday posted a, a picture of me in a show that I was in in Queenstown in 1991, <laughs> and I was hot, I had no yeah. idea, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. So, and, but I think we were all well, we were all hot, right? You're all hot when you're young. That's just that's just a yeah. thing. It's a fact. Mm. And so enjoy that. <laughs> I want to see these photos. <laughs> what do we got? I'm, I'm wearing um, fishnets in a in a top hat. Damn. Oh. With a cane in a Whoa. show. Yeah. Oh, in a show, not just just generally. Just at an evening at now. The supermarket. Like, I'm hot. I'm young. <laughs> Off she goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting what you're saying about like fail, feeling like you'd failed. Because I um, went to, I tried to do postgrad journalism um, at AUT and I lasted about uh, not even a semester. Really? Before I, I dropped it all because I was kind of having this 
And I think even like things have changed so fast, even in like five years, mm -hmm. that was about five years ago. And I was like, this is the only way I can do any of the things. Cause yeah. like when you go completely through institutions like that, that's just all you know. And I it was so hard to go back yeah. when you've been away for like a year or two. And I really, really uh, thought I had failed when I, I dropped wow. out. I didn't even do the exams. I just kind of, just literally just quietly went, I can just leave, I can just walk away. <laughs> and like, I don't have to look at like the AUT site again, I'll just leave. And it was kind of liberating, but then I also was like, what happens now? And yeah. that was when you kind of, luckily the spin-off came along. And now I feel like the thing that I was trying to say to like some of the people who were in the workshops and stuff, I was like, it is a lot easier, I think, to even to just talk to someone who's a writer online than it, it used to be. You know, mm. we take writing from everyone we don't know who most people are when, when you know we're not you don't have to have published a novel or anything right. we take writing from anybody if yeah. it's good if the work stands up and we like like the way you sound we like your email and you have anything you can show us that you're a good writer it's kind of like everything's kind of collapsed that whole hierarchy is just like yeah it doesn't matter if you've come out of journalism school if your writing's bad we're not going to publish it yeah, and if your writing's good and you haven't come out of journalism school, that's Except for Wintech Journalism School, which is the best journalism school in oh, New Zealand. Oh, yes. yes, that's right. <laughs> that is correct. I, you know, the, of, of all the studying and whatever uh, qualifications, I don't use any of it except, um, except for. Um, I'm so sorry, Stan. No, I'm this so is right. I'm going to help. I'm going to help. This is helping. This is helping. Um, the journalism certificate I did at uh, Wellington Polytech in 1979, which taught me how to structure a news story, which is actually also how you structure a I just made the pyramid up the wrong fucking way. It's that way. It's a pyramid. <laughs> I thought it's not that. Um, it's like that, which is also exactly the same way you structure a comedy set. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. And in some ways, it's not quite how you structure a book, but a book is a whole lot of pyramids. But anyway, sorry, that's the one skill that I was yeah. re really worth getting, really. So when you say so comedy go to school, set. people go to school. What you're doing, like pyramid intro. So that uh, it's the juicy, catchy thing is at the top, and then you add more information until you down the bottom of the story is the really meaty stuff. But it's the pyramid intro means the first words in the story have to be the ones that grab somebody off the street, pulls them in, and sits them down, and makes them read it. Mm -hmm. And you've got a top hat and a cane. And yeah, you're like, yeah, wearing fishnets. <laughs> and <laughs> Good. Um, did you both work in hospital as well? Or was it just you, Leone? I worked as a weight person briefly and I was dreadful, so I stopped. <laughs> What's the worst thing you did? Put um, a blue steak in front of a vegetarian. Ooh. <laughs> Wrong table. Did she? <laughs> yeah, no, just she shouty, shouty, shouty. Oh, and yeah. I dropped plates and I was just terrible. I dropped a, a cream-based bright blue cocktail in a, inside of a lady's Chanel handbag. <laughs> <laughs> but as it went down, it did like the do, 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 do on the way down, and so it also coated her beautiful white jacket as well. Oh, oh my god! I had to pay for the dry cleaning <gasps> and her meal and all of her drinks. Somebody... I was earning like five dollars an hour. Wow. I don't know why anybody wearing a white dress and carrying a Chanel handbag is ordering a cream-based blue cocktail. I know. <laughs> I was like, get a classier drink, ho. Sure, lady. <laughs> Martini. Martini, bitch. Yeah. I'll show you. <laughs> I hated Oslo. I yeah. feel like there was so much I wish I could have told myself back then. Yeah. It is not okay for your boss to tell you that you should, like, 
wear a little bit more makeup oh, and so be a little bit harassment. So and much stop being so harassment. scruffy. I got that once. I was like, oh, look at you. You're so scruffy. And I was like, <laughs> what is that? Like the subtext of that is so intense. And I remember yeah. just going to the back room and going, <gasps> and like just weeping, just oh. weeping into the like Sam Pellegrino. Yeah, no, exactly. It implies <laughs> just like, you need to be something that's good for me to look at. Yeah. Otherwise we don't need you here. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I had two, uh, two bosses that were quite good at making me feel uncomfortable, but one of them just had this terrible habit of just stroking my arm like that every time we talked. Ooh. And so I would sort of slowly go this way while I was trying to get my arm out of contact range, and it would just follow me. And so then I'd end up wearing like these big, long, thick jumpers on like <gasps> sunny, hot days because I didn't want to feel his hand on my skin. Ugh. That's the creeps me out just thinking about weird. it. Yeah. So leather patches all my <laughs> yeah. Spikes. Yeah. I should have just bought studded clothing. <laughs> we'll just make it like sticky. So he's like <laughs> has to make a real big scene of like <laughs> trying to pull his arm off. <laughs> what you get? Fly trap. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, at the time you don't know to be like, fuck off. Yeah. yeah. It's a no, sexual harassment. Right. Like what did you do? Just Internalised, just <laughs> squirm inside and leave it at that. I mean, that's it. Did you talk to anyone you worked with? About nope, that? I never <laughs> mentioned it. I think this might have been me the first time I've said it out loud. I may be the second. Yeah, no, you just don't. You just go through life. All women go through life just with a collection of those kinds of icky stories. Yeah. In a bag. Yeah. Mm. I mean, you know, some people's stories are much ickier than others, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I remember also, like, when you're in the kind of emotional labour side of hospitality, when you have to just smile. Oh, yeah, no I hated who it that. Who you're talking to or what they're saying to you. Yeah. Because it's like they're the ones holding the money. I mean, I worked at a cinema even, and I didn't even like work in a restaurant pro- like properly where you get the worst people, but there was just like this guy used to come in and just like follow me around. A customer. A customer. And he'd be like, oh. Are you a runner? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm running away from you, but no. <laughs> Sorry, it made wine come out of my nose. I don't know why that's funny. Well, it baffled me. <laughs> I'm not, and then he's like, he was following me up the stairs, which makes it worse somehow. And he's like, Oh yeah, she's got runner's legs. Oh, like, oh, who are you talking to? Like, <laughs> just this kind of commentary on me just trying to walk around and do my job. And I was like, hmm, yeah, Send oh. it that way, please go away. And it was like, What do you do? You can't say shut up, go away. You can't tell anyone. Should be able to though. You should be able to. I was just reading an interview today with Helen Mirren, who's 72, and she was asked um, what she would most, what she would like to tell her, that's how I found the story, what she would like to tell her <laughs> teenage self. And she said, I wish that I had told people to fuck off more. Mm. And I, think, I imagine being told to fuck off by Dame Helen Mirren. Wouldn't that be? I think so it'd be good. great. <laughs> be like, say it again. Feel good. <laughs> good. Do it yeah. like the queen. <laughs> but we, yeah, we just don't. Yeah, I, yeah, you've already said it, but I wish I could go back to that 18-year-old girl and say, speak up, mm. say the things in your head. Yeah. Mm. It doesn't actually make anything worse. It possibly might make things better. Yeah. Mm. Say it out loud. And just the thing of, like, what's happening to you is real. 
and the way that you feel about it is real. Trust. You're not like Definitely. losing it. You're not losing your cool. You're not being hysterical. Mm. There is a man touching your arm and it yeah. needs to stop. <laughs> I feel like that was something in Clementine Ford's book that she kept going back to that I was just like, how crazy that we're in a situation where you still have to tell people that their experiences are valid. Yeah, totally. And like, can be shared. Yeah. And you're always just expected to be the chill girl about mm. everything. Like the, the girl that's like just chill and down with everything. It's just, that's the ideal persona. Mm -hmm. That's men's ideal persona of women. And then you start to internalize that. So that anything that diverges from that, I'm just cool with whatever, because I'm the chill girl. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't feel that way, you feel like you're going crazy, like that you're just like this hysterical, this hysterical woman. Mm, yeah. The hysterical woman archetype is really hard to avoid. But yeah, I did the, I'm the chill one for years. I'm the chill one that just hangs out with boys because girls are too much drama. Mm, mm. It's like, actually, you know, women support you and let you speak your mind and your heart. And, you know, like, I hate that it took me so long to learn that. Yeah. Mm. I like hate when you, think back to times where you were that that kind of person like I remember and it kills me still like sniggering at women's studies at university oh, at university no. I was like oh who's that like trying to be yeah. like that kind of person I ended up doing it a year later and like found my entire life <laughs> but I had still you know you have that thing of like oh I'm not like that I don't need that yeah like that's not for me that's for a different kind of woman but yeah. if I had done it in first year, my whole university experience would have been different. I would have got so much more out of it, but it's like some mm. weird pretense of being like, it's not me. Yeah. It's not, that's, that's for someone else to deal with, but mm. we're all in it. We're all in it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I also have in the big letters here, don't settle for men groping you in clubs. <laughs> it's something I wish <laughs> I had. That's just that. good advice. That's just good advice, but I remember you like, get all ready with your like girlfriends, you have a whole bunch of drinks, you go out and you just expect to be groped. Yeah. And it's almost like a weird yeah. rite of passage. Like you're not like, oh, you're kind of like, oh. And then you're like, wait, that, why is that what we're taught is okay? You yeah. Know? You Do can't you know just stand in a circle and be like. You totally just like made like a memory explosion go off my mind because that experience for me was never, it wasn't like a hand grope. It was going to clubs and then you would sort of like dirty dance with your friends because that's a real fun thing to do. Mm -hmm. And then without fail, a guy would join in and all you would feel was just this crotch. Oh. <laughs> just push oh itself gosh. up against you behind. And his name's Gavin. His name's Gavin. He's and got no rhythm. Cheering him on. And so, <laughs> you know, you're, you're like dancing real awesome with your friend and he's got no rhythm so he's completely off the beat. So it's just sort of smushing against you. Oh. And so you try and move away. <laughs> and then you and your friends just sort of like laugh or whatever. But like, it's not the same as giving a message that it's not welcome. So yeah. the crotch comes back. <laughs> then sometimes it's joined by another crotch on the other side of your friend and they try and turn you into a crotch sandwich. So you sort of shimmy sideways and you're laughing about it the whole time, but you're still like trying to get away from the, the dance floor crotch gang. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't even thought about that in ages, but Sorry. it was so ubiquitous. I've up that memory. <laughs> you don't even remember gross. the faces, just no. smushy crotches. None of it. Yeah, and really bad jeans. <laughs> really bad yeah, jeans. and like always jeans the worst kind of jeans. Like, like <laughs> mom jeans. But yes, good note. It's not good okay note. to be gross. Just for everyone. My, my note is that um, I, men don't know anything either. <laughs> 
But just because I always thought when I was a teenager that men had it all sorted, they were in charge of everything, everything was very organised, they knew what was going on, they knew who they wanted to go out with, they knew everything. They got no fucking idea. They're just (laughs) as completely lost as the rest of us. Yeah, true. And I think we can, you know, it's worth remembering that. I just always thought men knew exactly what was going on, but then you find out as you get you know, I thought as an 18-year-old that a 25-year-old man was so knew everything, and then you ah, you look at 25-year-old men now and they're just boys. Yeah. Sorry, you're I don't mean that in a rude way. I'm 25. Men in the room, but like, yes. you didn't have any idea, did you? You were faking it, weren't you? And we were tricked. Faking it. Yeah. yeah. I am. Yeah, I am. Yeah. yeah, I am. It's all good. Yeah. Well, now we're yeah. here in whatever this is that we're doing mm. in this state. Uh, do we have advice about being, and I need this for myself, full disclosure, as I said in my workshop, I'm having a quarter life crisis. And that's cool, like it's fine. But you feel like you need, when you're working in these creative kind of sectors, and you have those moments where you go, fuck it, right? Like, I'm yeah. just going to go and do a normal thing. Why would I ever write again, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. How do you guys pull yourself out of that if you ever have those kinds of moments? Or self-doubt? Or anything like that. I just hang on until the deadline. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like I just trust that the deadline will come and then the deadline will go and then (sighs) everything will go back to normal after that. But Mm -hmm. I do sometimes, when I'm like right on the stress precipice, think (laughs) this is the deadline I can't hang on for. This is too much. Mm And I'm gonna explode before that that gets here or whatever. Or. (laughs) Yeah just not sleep for three days and die. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you can die from that. Can yeah, I think sure. so. But yeah, no, but that is... She wrote herself to death. <laughs> <laughs> Dead line. <laughs> I generally follow a freak out with just a... Oh, and I just sit back down and start writing. Right. And I don't necessarily feel good about it, but it just keeps... It just... You, you're just kind of like, this is the only way I get to that deadline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can just like go like this for two days until it's been and gone and then I've just failed everyone. Or I can just, just sit back down and just do it. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've been doing this long enough to really have an answer. Mm. I know how I get through from crisis to crisis. Yeah. <laughs> and then I usually follow up with like a massage and lots of like <laughs> self-care to, you know, make sure that I, I feel like it was worth it. Right. Not just the work, because the work's always worth it. Mm-hmm. Mm. I do believe that. I do believe that the work is always worth it, even if what you end up writing or producing isn't like your best. It's always worth it because it's always a step towards the next thing, which could be the best thing you ever wrote. But it's just the how do you like, yeah, take care of yourself while you're getting there. And I do believe in treats. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Big time treats. Yeah. We got you an ice cream, didn't we, today? Yeah, the ice cream was really good. <laughs> <laughs> it was a burnt almond and toasted marshmallow. Damn. Duck <laughs> Island. Really good. Island. Yeah, 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 that was really good. Wow, fine. Great. Oh. Great to be here in Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Down the camera. Love it. Because uh, you always do a million things, Michelle. You are juggling, like, your comedy, yeah. your book, your Which um, helps, columns. really. Michelle's uh, got her second book. Coming now. Ah, 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 <laughs> ah, ah, it's going well. Ah. Oh fuck! Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I really love it, but I'm having issues with um, mm. the people that I'm writing it for. Um, but so I, I, th- I, I get to flip between one thing and the other. You know, one of one of the things that I do is in my pajamas in my office at home, 
and I don't wash for days. <laughs> and yes. I love that. I love that so much. I proudly, you know. I haven't washed since Saturday. But, <laughs> um, and I love that. But then you get, eventually I get sick of that. But then there's a show. so I Your husband to, gets sick of it too. Oh, he's very <laughs> easygoing. <laughs> he doesn't watch. So, um, so then, there are, then there are the days where you have to frock up and you know, do your hair and stuff. And so I, I really like the balance of those two things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, sometimes I have trouble because I've been writing a newspaper column every week since... 2008 and some days to sit down with the deadline and just go I got nothing I got Mm -hmm. I have no opinions how many words do you have to write every week it's only 500 so it's not hard well that's sometimes harder though because you've got to take a big idea and then go you can kind of get away with saying bullshit right (laughs) sometimes I mean, every now and then the column is about just nothing in particular you know my cat no I don't even write columns about my cat but it's really hard to care about it sometimes. Mm. Mm. And yeah, I want to kill myself. Can't help you, don't know. So dark. This is great. It's taking a bad turn, eh? It's like, so. Have you ever seen they want to die? Cool <laughs> I'm having a crisis. <laughs> I think it's good to talk about it. Yeah. I think it's really good. I, I was at um, a conference in the weekend with a whole bunch of investigative journalists who were talking about stuff I've never really heard writers talk about, which is that the work is really hard, you know? Mm, Writing is difficult, and if you're doing difficult stories, that's, you know, there is a trauma involved in that, no matter what you're dealing with. I always wonder how proper reporters exactly. <laughs> yeah. deal, deal with tackling some of those subjects. There's probably some so, supervision, some counselling, there's probably some, you know, going and debriefing and unloading. But there's also, you I think, there's so. a culture of, that's just the job, it's your job to tell the story. Like, don't like. Right. I got a strain. There were like two strains of thought of kind of maybe newer wave who were like, we need to talk about this. There right. is trauma involved. There's care involved for both you and your subjects, whatever. Um, and then there was like the old school, which is like, harden up. Write the story, go to the pub. Yeah, exactly. So I thought yeah. that was really interesting. And I feel like um, I've been thinking a little bit about that, just acknowledging that writing is really difficult you know it's like yeah. it's not it's not easier than anything else just because it's yeah, kind of, totally. you can just do this and it's something really, happens that's but. really helpful really mm. once you because you can beat yourself up because you're saying to yourself this should be easy it's just writing yeah yeah, yeah but it's hard well I'm discovering that like now now that I've started at the spin-off because I came from a bi-monthly magazine where you've got all the time <laughs> in the world yeah and these guys turn stuff around in a day like amazing like thousand word pieces that are like funny and insightful and like someone will just go shall I write this in the morning and then they've handed in at four, four o'clock and I, I'm still just like one finger typing away <laughs> the thing I pitched eight days ago yeah. I, don't, I don't know if I can go any faster I mean I'm hoping it just comes with practice yeah I mean, I've lost it completely, but... Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, need, I, need, I like more time. I think it's yeah. like running, though. I think the more you run, the yeah. better you get at running. Yeah, it's yeah. a muscle. Yeah. It totally is, and I think that's I why... I hope so. I really hope so. Oh, like, me too, mate. We're in it together. <laughs> We're in this together. Yeah, cool. Sweet. <laughs> but what I started doing uh, is... I was, I was saying earlier today, like, I... When I have writers that I admire, I try and make like a secret kind of dossier on them. They'll, they will never know, and I don't want any of them to know. You might be one of them. Yeah, you got one on. But I read people and I go, what is it about this that I like? And I kind of collate it all together and try and um, bring in, like, is it that they're funny or that they can say something really complicated in a simple way? And 
just kind of get a vision of what it is that I can keep coming back to. And I've tried to do that with myself, which is a really difficult oh, thing nice. to do. Of like, wow. look at yourself outside, outside of yourself. This is like your piece of advice from the last podcast about saying nice things about yourself in the third, in the third person. person. Yeah. Apparently that's like a, a good way of boosting yourself. Yes. Alex Casey is an informative and entertaining writer. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so I thought that was kind of, like, it's super embarrassing and like, I can't ever let anyone know. Apart, I mean, from, the live, apart from live on Facebook and recording a podcast and in front of um, So how does strangers. it look? Have you got sort of like a little folder with like a I've picture of yourself? I've just got a real shabby Google Doc at this stage. Yeah. Because every time I do it, I get so like... Decorate it with like... Love hearts and stars. And <laughs> yeah, stuff. ponies and kittens. Like that um, Hey Arnold shrine. Yeah. Make a shrine to yourself. Yeah. But I, I think want to make a shrine to myself now. I've got a shrine. Hard. It can be hard when you, you have a shrine. And not to I myself. thought you had a, you've got a Wonder Woman shrine. I've got a, a stroppy woman. Yes. So it's, yeah, a shrine of arc and... Uh, oh my uh, God, you're Janice psychic. This is great. Oh, that's good. Keep that coming. Who else is in your shrine? Uh, Joan of Arc, Janice Upland, Carol Burnett, Lucille Ball... Annie Gatlin from Annie Get Your Gun. Uh, uh, there's a female Buddha. I'm, I'm picturing it in my head now. There's um, a voodoo goddess uh, and who I give pumpkin seeds and honey, because that's important. <laughs> and um, several Wonder Woman figurines and Ray mm -hmm. and um, Jin. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Who would be in your mm. shrine? Let's make oh, shrines. Gosh, shrines. Let's visualize our shrines. Oh, I'm just trying to think of all the stuff I have in my house. I have a lot of ETs. Yeah. <laughs> ET is not a feminist hero. I just have a lot of ETs. <laughs> Probably have just like a big picture of my mum. Is that nerdy? Yes, no, her like, mum is amazing. Yeah, she's, a, she's an icon. Yeah, she yeah, is. She's a hero. Councillor Kathy Casey. My mum actually, this, this segues well into uh, my next point, which actually we got in an email, which may or may not have come from someone in this room, that was about how do you own your success? Oh. And uh, I thought I'd point out that my mum in her office has a giant oil painting of herself. That's great. <laughs> That's really cool. And it's the coolest thing I have ever seen. I'm like, everyone should have that. Yeah. Yeah, my mum got some of those um, uh, fancy photos done. Oh, yeah? Uh, body shots. Body shots. Really? Body shots, yeah. Cool. And she was just like, I feel really great about myself. And she got some, like, fancy boudoir dance. Not tasteful. Tasteful. <laughs> dressing gown. <laughs> and uh, then she got some ones of her at her desk because she's uh, an academic and she'd just finished her PhD. And so she was like, I'm going to capture me right now. She doesn't even have any photos of herself when she's young. They're all just, like, these incredible portraits of her in her 60s, which I just yeah. think is awesome. See, I get publicity photos done. Oh, yeah, true. So, headshots. Headshots. And so you have all these amazing photographs of yourself every couple of years, airbrushed to buggery. And, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's terrible when you go to do a gig and they've got your poster behind you on the wall and you're standing in front of it. It's like, that's how I wish I look. Yeah. Yeah. This is how I look. It's weird. But, but it's really not. I think everybody should get to have their, you know, headshots done. So you, yeah. you looking the very best version of yourself mm -hmm. feels really good. I feel like the pictures we had done in Ghostbusters outfits was probably the best I've ever looked in a photo. Yeah. It's the closest we're going to get to the, to the headshots, I think. Yeah. Um, my way I've discovered that I'm most comfortable with in sort of owning my success is just believing other people. 
which is to say when your friends say things like you know oh but you're like you're you're so smart and wonderful you know like good friends they speak to each other that way they they say like lovely things to each other and then you just go oh you have to say that you're my friend but the thing <laughs> is they 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 say that because you they're your friend not they don't have to but you say those things because you really mean them because i've said those things to people before and i really meant them i said mm. them because i was overwhelmed with feeling yeah that came out as I love you for these reasons. And so I have decided, I decided a few years ago, first prof professionally when someone said, you're really good at this job, I just decided to believe the person that said that instead of constantly not believing that. And so now when someone says, oh, you look amazing tonight, I'm just like, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. I just, I'm sick of, I'm sick of, like, it's like the chill girl persona, she has to be self-deprecating, mm -hmm. which yeah. is fine, and that it, it can be funny, but like the, the bad, the pointy end of that is just not believing that you're cool or worth it or have something to say or look nice or whatever, because you're used to just being like, ah. Yeah. Oh, that, shush. The amazing thing of like taking a compliment. Yeah. There was like that viral thing that was on Tinder when guys would be like, oh, you're so hot, you're so beautiful. And the girl would be like, I know, thank you. And they'd be like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly how did you are that hot? It's like the response to those women was violent. Yeah. And it was. It was the perfect illustration of how we're not taught to um. think these things. And so, of course, we're going to be so like, wrong. no. Yeah. No. Not and me. the women weren't being like over the top, they were just like, I agree, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I keep um, a file of, if anybody sends an email saying, really liked your thing that you wrote, I um, file it in a nice. file of, and the file is called Nice Emails. <laughs> Yay. And on a shitty day, I go and have a little look in there, and these people going, I never really like the thing you wrote about the thing. And you go, oh. Do you know what's a really depressing version of that for me? My trade me <laughs> feedback <laughs> is perfect. I've had 100% zero negative feedback. It's not even a single neutral feedback. And I don't know why, but sometimes I just look at it. You're a really good <laughs> trader. It's about the only perfect thing that exists in my life. How's your Uber score? Oh, my Uber score sucks. <laughs> I keep getting, I keep being the one that gets Ubers for friends, and the, because they're not the one on the Uber, they misbehave, and then I get uh, so bad. But you'll always have trade me. And then sometimes <laughs> I'm like, they're not. It's my account, but I, I was nice to you. And the Uber drivers just like get out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this is trade me. Swings and roundabouts. That's good. Swings and roundabouts. <laughs> I got a whole lot of, um, in terms of like owning your success, if you. Are you ever in the position where you receive a certificate? Mm. Put that on the wall. Yep. <laughs> Do like old school, like mum on the fridge, you know, yeah. pop it up, put it up there for yourself. No one else is going to do that. No yeah, one else true. is going to even be like, remember when you, you did that thing? Like it is actually the burden falls on you, I think, to remind yourself of yeah. those kinds of milestones. Print yeah. out your trade me, you know? I might, I might, I was actually just <laughs> visualizing the frame for it. I'm not kidding. <laughs> Do you get a t-shirt or anything if you get like 100%? I doubt it. Sad. Oh well. Well that's owning your success. It's hard. It's hard and I don't really well, know. Well it's un-Kiwi um, as well, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. As well as yeah. being hard for women to do, it's culturally not easy for us either, but we should do it. Yeah, there was an amazing, um, we went to a, 
a panel that was kind of about young professional women and there was the fashion designers from Harman and Grubisha were there and Jessica Grubisha said the most amazing thing. They asked a question, they were like, when did you realise you, you were uh, kind of in a position where you were going to be a leader? And you could see everyone kind of shifting around, not really knowing how to answer, not even want to accept that they were a leader. And she just leaned in and was like, birth. <laughs> and it was the most like amazing, it was kind of, everyone was like, whoa, yeah. we just, she just said that, that's yeah. so cool. You don't really hear like owning that, that often. Uh-uh. So I was like, shout out. And she yeah. wears beautiful clothes. Yeah. So that's good as well. <laughs> What's next on our list? On the agenda. Oh, how do you deal with criticism and especially getting really bad comments? as a woman who write on the internet. I feel like we talk about this a little bit, but yeah. do you have particular things you, you go to? I know, Leone, you recently got a... What did you get? You got your first something. I got my first direct message, rather than just a comment, but my first someone had sent a message to my Facebook inbox calling me a, a fat, ugly feminist troll or something like that. Just something, you know, super abusive. Some dude just like, what's the worst thing I can say? Just I really need to hurt this person. Mm-hmm. And the, literally the only effect it had on me was, oh my God, I finally made it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like all of my favorite like women and non-binary and LGBTQI writers, like everyone who's just not the norm, all my favorite black writers just have had this level of abuse. And obviously I'm not gonna love it if it happens again, which mm-hmm. it will, mm-hmm. um, but I, that was my first thought was, oh my god, I've made it. <laughs> and the thing is, I didn't even properly read it, like, because you know, you've got to sort of like accept when a, when a, comment, a, a new message comes through with someone you're not friends with on Facebook, mm-hmm. you sort of have to accept, accept it, and I just sort of, I saw the first line, which just had all the keywords in it, <laughs> fair, ugly, famous, and I was like, nice, delete. <laughs> And that's kind of how I, I deal with it. I mean, I've had a couple of like shitty emails about things and I, my eyeballs just kind of, I just go cross-eyed and delete it. Mm. That's like what, how I deal with like Game of Thrones spoilers. You know, you're scrolling through Twitter <laughs> yeah. and you see a picture or you see the words Game of Thrones and I just automatically go cross-eyed so that I can't <laughs> take it in and just keep scrolling. The same thing happens with people being dicks. I'm going to watch you on your yes, computer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting really good at it. I'm getting really good at it. <laughs> oh, um, but I used to internalise every single criticism. Yeah. Um, what you get, I, I mean, uh, working in Māori media, obviously the, the comments and the criticism that is unwanted is to do with race, which mm. is, is really hard to stomach because that is obviously one of those things, as with, you know, gender, um, where it's just the tiny comment is just this little part of this giant trauma. And so every tiny comment, if you let it, mm. brings in the trauma. And so you can't, mm-hmm. obviously you can't. But on the other hand, it's like, it's shitty that women and minorities are used to that. And so now I have a thought like, oh, I've made it. Yeah. When I see that, co- that comment, like, that is unacceptable, but that's the world that we live in. Yeah, mm. and there's no way you can it's not like you can really report it to Facebook or anything. No, they don't, don't give care. a shit. Like, like, mm. If you screenshot, as um, there's a comedian, Alice Bryan, who um, had a, a Facebook post that went viral like a couple of years ago now about mm. how, you know, if she goes home with a guy, she's going to steal all of his stuff. And when he goes to the police, she's going to say, well, you know, what did he think was going to happen when he brought a girl home? 
<laughs> of course she was going to steal his stuff. He was asking for it. <laughs> and every now and again, like a different news outlet somewhere in the world like re-ups and makes a story out of this post and she gets all of these really awful like murder threats from uh -huh. men for making this one like lols post two years ago and um she just screenshots them and put the, puts them on her facebook and facebook keeps banning them so you're allowed to make the original comment or miss send the message but you're not allowed to repeat it to show people, which is really yes, the terms and conditions. I mean, we love you, Facebook, but I mean, there's still a lot of real problematic <laughs> shit going on yeah. when it comes to the reporting of, of terrible stuff. Yeah, and so like with most stuff, you just you're not going to report it. You're just going to absorb it and let it go, and you know. Yeah. What yeah. about you, Michelle? I've, I've tried all kinds of different ways of dealing with the with the hate. One of my favorite ways is to write really, really long replies. Like, like excessively long if I've got time. Like when I was on tour last year and I had some spare time, um, some guy had a crack at me about a column I wrote. So I wrote like a, it was a 500 word column and I think I wrote a 2,000 word reply <laughs> to him. That's and, so extra. Yeah, it was just, I had an afternoon, a wet afternoon and I don't know, rain fully and you know, and it was all, it was really reasonable and I kind of took the, it was amusing myself, I took the approach that he was, trying to embody um, all aspects of mansplaining into one comment and so I was like congratulations you've done incredibly well with this and this is brilliant setter. I would go for something even more subtle oh, and just on well I don't know it was a bit train spotty of me but it got it <laughs> it's it meant I could sleep all I had yeah. to do is find a way to get to sleep mm. and if I'm waking up at three in the morning still turning something over then I'll go and find I'll get up and go and find a way of dealing with it, which is make a joke out of it or show it to someone or just whatever it is that I can do so mm. I can sleep. Mm -hmm. And you can use it. It's all material yeah. as well, right? Yeah. I always use, when we still had comments on the spin-off and I wrote something really low-key, just about, I don't know, um, something that you'd done or something like that, and the guy, one of the guys who was a serial commenter at the time just commented and said, Looks like she's just got a sandy vagina. Like that was the reason for my entire like rage and anger. And it's it so happens funny. all the time. It's so funny. So it's like I kind of have taken that phrase and I like to just use it, you oh, know, like weave it in. I, I have this idea that I'm just gonna be kind of subtweeting this guy for the rest of my life. <laughs> and he will never know, but like occasionally, like maybe once every two years, I might just write, but I've just got Sandy Vagina in my column or something. What would I know? And he'll, <laughs> and he'll see it and he'll feel bad. Maybe. Maybe. He's probably been kicked out of his mum's basement by now though. Yeah. <laughs> no computer access no, for you. No Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. But it's not a it's kind of, I, I was trying to figure it out because I feel like sometimes you do need to see that side of the comments. If it's not going to traumatise you or, or be um, a horrific experience, mm, yeah. it's, it's a good reminder that uh, there are a lot of like kind of messed up people and there's still work I to think, be done. I think it's good for people to read the comments, mm. not necessarily the person who wrote the thing, but I did like a talk uh, for Creative Mornings a couple of years ago, which is sort of like a a Friday morning collective of creatives that work in Auckland and they have a, a speaker once a month. And so it was a predominantly white audience and I was talking about Māori media and so the only piece of advice I could think of for them was read the comments because mm. 
it's like that, you know, that perpetuation of being, of thinking you're the only one in it. You know, it happens yeah. for, for all kinds of minority groups where it's just you and yours sort of fighting against the system and you feel so alone, like we, we need other allies in this from, from that majority culture. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, you guys need to read the comments, like the shitty, terrible comments on writers of colour, queer writers, women writers, like read the terrible comments so that you understand mm-hmm. while you're going about your day being a relatively privileged person that it's a place of privilege. Like everyone should read the comments, mm-hmm. I think, because it is easy to go, oh, that's a terrible thing to do. I wouldn't, I don't want to do that. But yeah. I think everyone should. And I think it makes a difference to me as the, person, as the writer that's being commented on not to do it immediately. Like I mm. never, like I give it 24 hours after a piece has been published yeah, that's, before I read it. That's them. really good advice. Because then it's not fresh and I'm not seeing the comments arrive in real time. And it just feels like, oh, that's something I made back then that people are being hateful Also, by that point, a lot of the terrible comments have been shouted down by your supporters. Yeah. So you're not even going to, that's not even going to be the yeah. first thing that you see. Yeah. Yeah, that is really good advice. I need to follow that. It is an encouraging thing when you see like the outside community kind of stepping in yeah. for the right. And mm. it doesn't happen all the time, though. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of what people thought Facebook would be like. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah. Everyone's going to like go into bat for you, but it doesn't always necessarily work out. Mm. No. Knowing people have fake accounts, John Dawkins. I know who you are. <laughs> oh. Or who you're not. He's not who he says he is. He's a serious. He's the same one that. It, what, it, oh no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> the guy who. On Twitter or Facebook? On Facebook. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. Fuck you, John Dawkins. Yeah, the feminists are funny. It's a show that we did. He was the one going, yeah, feminists are not funny. Feminists are not funny. Feminists are not funny. Feminists are not funny. It's exactly what he's like. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. But we know. Yeah. We know, we know who you are. We keep the receipts, John. Uh, should we change text? We yes. have a segment that we do on On The Rag where we like to talk about what we've been watching and reading and listening to or just consuming to share in a circle. Does anyone have anything they'd like to bring? Yes? I, ow, did you hear that? Yes, I heard that. That was really intense. It's been a lot of time Is in my office. Is it still like in this. place? <laughs> still attached? Um, when I went to, when I left home uh, in, uh, <laughs> my parents drove me from to, there's so much in the story I wish I wasn't there uh, to Wellington to go to uh, tech and study journalism and on the way my mother stopped off at a bookstore in Paraparaumu and bought me some books one of which was um, Sheer Heights Height Report into Female Sexuality which was published oh. It was published in 1976, republished in 1981, and it's been republished again in 2004. It was the very first report on uh, women being asked about their sexuality, about oh, what yeah. they liked about sex and, and their sexuality. Uh, and so that was my mother's gift to me as yeah. I went home, and it was the most useful book I've ever read in terms of sex and sexuality. And so, yeah, so it's still around, and... Um, Go and get it and buy it for you. You know, when everybody who's embarking on a 
I was going to say a career of sex. So I didn't. <laughs> career of sex. You launch yourself into a lifespan. Yes, a lifetime of sexual joy and pleasure. It's a really useful book because it, it, it's all these women talking about what they love and don't like, and it, it, that question that you constantly ask yourself, "Am I normal?" gets answered by this book. Oh, that's cool. Mm. That's a great one. She was a really cool. She is a really cool mum. Oh, she's. But yeah, no. <laughs> that was uh, really, and I think she bought me some Virginia Wolf and some something else. Oh, yeah. oh she and some Gloria Steinem as well on that same Whoa. trip. Yeah, so she, I was, I was sorted. Uh, yeah, this is a local bookstore. No, I couldn't like, find any of those books in the Levitt. Here's our woke <laughs> section. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, I've been, I've been watching uh, some older, not older, but. Some of my favourite kind of rewatching rom-coms and things that I used to love, because I posted, there's something on our On The Reg Facebook page, <clears throat> which kind of freaked me out, and it was sort of looking back at all your, your favourite romantic films and showing how actually they're really messed up, really messed up. Like, oh, yes, yes. The yes, Notebook, yes. how he hangs from the um, Ferris wheel and is like, go out with me, and she's like, no, and he's like, oh, like nearly drops, and he's like, go out with me, literally pressuring her with his death to say yes and things like that. And I kind of, I rewatched uh, Miss Congeniality on purpose, because I love it. <laughs> and it was on Netflix. Just to be clear, <laughs> it was on purpose. And because I was going to Miss Universe New Zealand, and I was like, well, my work here is done. This is the research. And it's like, it still holds up. It is a hell of a flick, I'll say that. But there are so many like weird little things that I just never noticed about it the first time around. It's super homophobic. First thing, completely never even realised. So like Michael Caine's character, who's like a gay kind of uh, stylist man, and everyone's like terrified to go near him, all the bros in the force. And I watched it and I was like, this is crazy. Like even, I don't know how old that film is, 10, 15 years, more? I guess so. And there's all this weird stuff about all the other kind of guys in the force with um, Sandra Bullock. They like grab her ass and stuff and there's all this kind of, it's bad, it's bad touching. Yeah. And nothing kind of happens in it. But it's still got this kind of powerful message in it. But I just realised that there was like quite a few flaws mm. in it. Yeah, do not re-watch Dumb and Dumber. Oh no. That movie <laughs> is so rapey. It's really? unbelievable. You just re-watch it and you're like, I do not understand how this was okay with me like Shit. 20 years ago, however long ago yeah. it was. It's really weird. <laughs> there was another I was reading about. Someone had been like 50 first dates is actually, if you think about at the end, so I don't know, I want to spoil oh, it, if you haven't seen it. It's been out for a while, but I never know. Um, the, so at the end, so Drew Barrymore has 24 hours of memory. Is that the, that's yeah. how it works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she resets. But she gets pregnant Ooh. At, the end of that at the end of that film, and they have a family. And I was thinking, this person wrote a story and like, she would forget that she's pregnant every 24 yeah. hours. But she has a video that reminds her in the morning. Is but that it enough? still would be weird. Is that enough? It's so she wakes enough. up every morning going, what the hell is happening? I don't know. And they kind of wrote the story of like, is that consent? You know, if she consents for 24 hours to be pregnant, is that her consenting? For the nine months we she well, wake up every morning. Well, dude, you blow my mind. It just makes you think, you know. There's a lot of things hiding in plain sight that yeah. aren't, aren't as crystal clear as Adam Sandler would have us believe. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. 
I think there are some movies that you can hear forever, and I think that's really important that, you know, The Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. That's never going to offend me, I don't think, is it? Don't take the Everyone's princess bride from me. <laughs> yeah. But and, and the other one that has held up for me since I was a teenager is um, Casablanca, which still, you know, doesn't. There's not. I can't find anything offensive mm -hmm. in that. Mm -hmm. About. I mean, yeah. A lot of John Hughes movies have been ruined for me on rewatch and recontemplation, especially The Breakfast Club. Oh god! Right. Oh right. god! Yeah. So problematic, and it was one of my favourites. Oh, what's wrong with? Well, <laughs> if you just kind of think about like the relationship between Jad Nelson and Molly Ringwald, like he abuses her the entire film, like really, really terribly, like quite deep levels of like threatening physical abuse and psychological abuse, and then at the end she's like, "I'm yours." <laughs> what? What just happened? Why? Yeah. <laughs> He's really awful. <laughs> and then there's the, you know, the classic like makeover as well with Ellie mm. Sheedy's character where she's like this amazing goth. Like she looks so freaking cool. Oh, and then they're just ordinary. like, oh, put on a hand, like a headband and some lipstick and now you get to have a boyfriend. It's like, it's so bad. Yeah. Grease then, Grease. Oh, Grease. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. But that offended yeah. me at the time. Did it? Yeah, gorgeous. She had to change her complete yeah. way she presented herself to the world to get him. I mean, he didn't do anything. Didn't do At the very least, he should have turned up in, you know, sort of preppy gear and gone, oh, he I was did. just kidding. No, he doesn't. No, he stays him. But no, he puts on a, well, he puts he a jacket, puts on, a jacket on, on and that's it. That. Yeah, so that's so all. She got so into those pants. So she couldn't go to the toilet <laughs> all day. Maybe she could, I don't know. Grease 2 is the superior mm. film anyway. Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> I haven't seen Grease. Oh seen my Grease god, it's amazing. <laughs> oh. And it's way this problematic, problematic as well, because Michelle Pfeiffer's character, she's the head of the Pink Ladies, but she's like really just like, people keep being like the, uh, the other Greaser dude is like, but you have to have a boyfriend and it has to be me. And she's like, fuck off. Oh, I'm, <laughs> like, oh, I'm, I'm so much cooler than you. And she is. And yeah. then she falls in yeah. love with this other dude who's like a nerd. Oh, that's good news. Oh, if anyone can recommend any other like unproblematic faves, yes, we'll, we'll compile something on our Facebook page. Unproblematic romantic comedies. I Watch feel like it's going to be a yeah. really small pool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty Woman is not going to be on that list, is it? No. Wait, does that hold up? Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. No. Dirty Dancing. No. 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 Fuck. I don't think so. Shrek. Oh, the dad. Shrek. Love Shrek. Shrek. Oh. Maybe Shrek is the answer. I love the support for Shrek. It's <laughs> yeah. great. These Shrek. are our people. These yeah. are Shrek people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we do Yas Queens then? Yes. Is there anything else you want to recommend that you can watch that's not going to make you feel bad about yourself and your life? <laughs> no. And all your favourite things? Um, no. What have I watched recently? I mean, I did a shout out to Incredible Jessica James in the last pod. It's a film on Netflix, mm -hmm. which is really awesome. But um, a young black woman living in New York who's like really into theatre and she teaches children, just as a character, just beautifully realised, really funny. Oh, that's kind of an unproblematic rom com. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, really, really great film, really great writing, written and starring Jessica Williams, who used to be a reporter on The Daily, Daily Show. Show. Yeah. She's cool. Yeah. She's cool. Great. Do we have Yas Queens to nominate this week? These are just people like, when we want to give a mm. shout out to who have done cool stuff. 
Well, Helen Mirren for <laughs> advising all young women that they should say fuck off more. It's, it's always yeah, that is pretty cool. It's always going to work for me. I would like to nominate Carla Swift. Yes. I say, yes. Do I it, know. do it, do I it. Know. I know, but her, her statement, so she... You know, she held up this, this was, I guess, sexual harassment claim. The DJ in Colorado, DJ. whose name I refuse to learn, but like my first husband. Who she alleged had, had, had groped her ass. There was a photo of it, and they basically just, the butted heads, and she had every, you know, what I found so satisfying about it is she had the perfect response to every single question in that cross-examination. And it's just what I wish every single woman has had that moment where you're like, oh, I wish I just said yeah. this yeah. really cool, sharp, sassy thing. And she obviously, like, you know, they had made sure that she was going to say the right things. Cause we can't was, see him groping you in the photo. That's because my ass is round behind the back. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And just every time anyone said, um, she was like, I'm, I'm critical of your client for putting his hand on my ass. You know, there was no one lying underneath my skirt to see the hand on the ass. Just like really, I don't know, sharp. Yeah. Concise. Yeah, that's good. Loved it. Yeah. Don't know how the world feels about Taylor Swift right now, but I don't really care. I and so yeah, the judge threw that. out, he sued her for $3 million and the judge threw that out for losing his job and career. And <laughs> she sued, countersued him for $1 for assaulting her and she's won that case, so she gets $1. Was it really for a dollar? Damn, yeah. That's well, that's bad. Mean, yeah. you have to sue for a dollar amount, but she wanted to make it very clear that this was not about yeah. the money. It was yeah. about the principle. Oh yeah, Yas Queen. Yeah. Yeah. Yas Queen for sure. Um, that's funny that that's your Yas Queen because mine is her good friend, Lord. Oh yes. Uh, Ella was in the press this week. Uh, did an interview this week. So after the um, incredibly depressing and awful. Uh, parade of hate in Charlottesville, um, which saw a, it was basically a Nazi rally, um, happened in public this week. And um, uh, our, our girl, Lord, was doing an interview and she just stated very clearly that um, white people are responsible for the system of racism and they need to fix it. And I know that seems like a really simple statement but the thing is, it's usually only people of colour who say stuff like that in interviews, and it was amazing for her to use that platform because she's super famous right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she could easily have not talked about that, and she used it to, to say something very simple, and it pissed a lot of Americans off, and I love it when people piss Americans <laughs> off. Yes, queen. Yes, queen. Yes, queen. Oh, what I loved on the story, there was like a Herald kind of write-off about it, and you just see all these fuck, this, just like, just a guy from like Masterton who's like, <laughs> not my fault. You know, like, <laughs> you just like completely miss the point. Like, yeah. Gavin, go Get away. your crotch away from Leone and it yeah. is your fault. And shush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Well, and that's exactly that prevailing attitude of it's not my fault mm. is how people of colour get killed by policemen because it's not anyone's fault. Mm -hmm. Until yeah. it happens, and then it's still no one's fault. And it's, yeah, it's nice when people point it out. Actually, you know what? We can all be responsible for this without it being anyone's fault. And it was right about there that our cameras and our recording gear just cut off for some reason. So thank you for staying with us till the very end. We'll leave it with those yes queens. Thank you to Wintech and to the Spark Festival and the mighty Hamiltron for having us. And we will talk to you next month. Bye.
Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.